You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Take Me to Your Leader, Part 7. Enjoy. Thank you, Father. We love you, God. You take us higher than we've ever been before. Your love is wider and deeper than anything we've ever known. It's a love that knows no bounds. And Father, we love you. We thank you for this endless love that makes us soar in life, soar on wings like eagles, makes us run and not get tired, walk and not grow weary. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit living in us, taking us higher, deeper than we've ever gone before. This is living now. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready to go higher? You're not afraid, are you, of going higher? When God's got you covered, when you're in his hands, fear dissipates and goes. His perfect love casts out all fear. We're going where we've never gone before. Right, Captain Kirk? Isn't that what he said in Star Trek? Where no man has ever gone before. (laughs) We're continuing in our series, Take Me to Your Leader. And I think we're going to wind it up next Sunday. But we've got some more good stuff that we've got to to, uh, grab a hold of. And we're talking about alien life on planet Earth. You see, before Christ, we used to be aliens to God. (laughs) He was foreign to us. We were aliens to his promises. We were aliens to his ways. But when we put our faith in Christ and began to study his promises, God's spirit made our spirit brand new. We were born of God through faith in Christ. We were born of his spirit, and we were no longer aliens to him. We became his sons and daughters, and now we're aliens to the world. Isn't that amazing? We're aliens to this world, and now heaven is our home. This world used to be our home, but it's not anymore. It's foreign to us. And boy, the deeper you go in Jesus, you see how foreign this place is to the ways of God. So we're here on earth, and we're, 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 we're on a mission. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about who we are in, in Christ and why we're here. So our, the, the scripture we've been looking at is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and it answers both of these questions. It tells us who we are in Christ, and it tells us why we're here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession." Why are we here? Good question. That you may proclaim and show forth and display the excellencies or the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this is who we are. We're God's sons and daughters. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And we're in the earth as God's very own ambassadors. Wow. 
to show forth his goodness. And we said last week, the deeper you go in your relationship with God, the more of his goodness you experience. How do we go deeper in our relationship with God? Do you remember what we said last week? How do we go deeper? Well, the good news, it's not through long hours of prayer. It's not through doing a list of sacraments. It's through simple faith in his promises. It's by simply taking Jesus at his word. Isn't that awesome? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 tells us that God has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them we might become partakers of his divine nature. Wow. So it's through his promises that we go deeper. So at Highway Church, we major in the promises of God. Because it's through his promises that we grow closer and our relationship grows deeper in him. So when we're reading the scriptures, when we come across a promise, we grab a hold of that with our heart. As we know that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So I come across a promise in this word when I'm reading. I grab a hold of that, and I say amen to that in my life. Amen to that, right? So we're all about the promises of God because his nature is revealed through his promises. So if you want to get to know him, get to know his promises promises. We said last week, you don't have to know God very well at all to know certain things about God. In other words, a deeper, a deep relationship with God is not required to know that God is powerful. Of course he's powerful. He's God. I don't have to know him at all to know that. But I've got to know his promises. I've got to know his nature. I've got to go deeper to know that he wants to use his power to make me whole. Mm -hmm. That requires a deeper understanding of him. See? You don't have to know God at all to know that he's holy. Of course he's holy. He's God. He's powerful and he's holy. But I've got to know his promises. I've got to go deeper to know that through the sacrifice of his son, he made me holy. <laughs> that sound, would sound crazy to some Christians. God made you holy? Yes. Jesus was made sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That was all last week, and boy, I hope you're listening to the message. Don't just listen on Sunday, and the messages are available to you. They're all free at highwaychurch.us. Go there, click on the podcast button or the iTunes button, listen to that word. All right, you will be so glad you did. Get those promises inside of you so that they're growing and flourishing in your heart and making you strong each day. So... If you think that God wants you to be sick, that God uses sickness and disease, you don't know him very well. 
If you think that God is the one causing hurricanes and tornadoes, you don't know him very well. You don't want to go through, throughout life being foreign to the heart and nature of God. So at Highway Church, we're, we, we don't want to know about God. We want to know God. Big difference. Right? Knowing about God is not going to change your life. It's being in a personal relationship with Him that changes your life. When you know His will for you is to be well. When you know His will for you is to be strong. When you know that He has good things in store for you, that it's His plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Where's that at? Anyone know? Jeremiah 29, 11, right? It's a promise of God. Grab a hold of it. No matter how many promises God has made, they're yes in Christ, right? We grab a hold of his promises. So the heart of God is revealed through his promises, right? And it's the heart of God that we want to know. And you know, you can misunderstand the Bible big time if you don't know the heart of God. Woo! You misunderstand the word of God if you don't know the heart of God. We talked about that last week and the week before. So God sent his son to clear up the confusion. Jesus revealed the heart of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Two weeks ago we looked at this scripture, but boy, let's let's eat it some more. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Jesus revealed the heart of God. He didn't set up a system of sacraments and a religion. He revealed the heart of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let's see, this is out of the New American Standard. It said, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. How long ago was that? Well, that was back in the Old Testament, right? Now, verse 2, in these last days has spoken to us how? Yeah, who's his son? Jesus, right? He's spoken to us in Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things. Through him also he made the world. Look at verse 3. And Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Wow. So when we're looking at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, not someone else's version of Jesus, but the real Jesus, very important, because people preach different Jesuses, okay? We're talking about the real one in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts in the Bible. When we look at the real Jesus, we're looking at the very heart and will of God. So if we're going to fulfill our mission as aliens in the earth, if we're going to take people to our leader, and we're going to reveal the goodness of God to those we meet, Jesus, the real Jesus, has got to be exalted in our thinking. That means if I've come to a conclusion in my mind that doesn't agree with the ministry of Jesus Christ, as revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, I've made a mistake. 
okay? So we want our thinking, every thought, to be in line with the heart of God, with the ministry of Jesus Christ, okay? Regardless of what anyone else would say about it, regardless of what a denomination might say, regardless of what a council might say, regardless of what a seminary might say, regardless of what man's philosophy might say. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that what he said in John 14, 6? That's a superlative statement, is it not? So we're not looking to a denomination for answers. We're not looking to a council or a committee. We're not looking to a seminary for answers. We're looking to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life for our answers to our life questions. Big difference, big difference. And you will find, as you look to Jesus, that there are things that he says that might be very different from the religious background you come from. I found that out at the age of 19. It shocked me. I said, why didn't all of these ministers tell me the things that Jesus said? I mean, they told me a lot of things. They had volumes and volumes of their catechism, of their teaching. But I didn't learn anything about what Jesus came for. Amazing. See? So we want to go right to Jesus. Let's go right to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Boy, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. He's the answer that you've been looking for. You know, that's one of the reasons that people have so much, such a difficult time finding a church. Because Jesus isn't preached there. Because they haven't tasted of the goodness of God's amazing love. People are looking for Jesus, but they don't realize they can find him in some churches. Because they've had a church experience that hasn't been good. Where, where they've learned man's doctrines instead of the heart of God. When people hear about how much God loves them and realize who Jesus is, man, they're going to want more and more and more. I love Jesus because he makes things so simple. Look at Matthew chapter 18. This is the heart of God talking. Verse 3. And he says, I tell you the truth. Of course he does. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Unless you, so Jesus is someone I can depend on. He gives me truth. Now, any, anyone else, I can't, I can't even say that about myself because I'm, I'm a man, right? But he's the one I can depend on. Not everything I say is right, right? Don't assume everything I'm saying is right. Go to Jesus. Okay? Don't just take someone's word because they're a pastor of a church. That really doesn't mean a whole lot. You've got to go to Jesus. All right? In any sermon or message that you hear from anyone, don't just take it. That includes me or anyone else. Go to Jesus. Does what they're saying line up with Jesus? He's the way. He's the one that we're, that we're learning from. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to us this morning. We're looking to Jesus. Thank you for meeting every need in this place, in every area of our lives. Thank you for it, God. Thank you, Lord. You know. 
You know the needs that are represented here, Father. Thank you for doing amazing things in every life here today. Thank you for your rich provision, for answers, for your joy, for your peace breaking through every barrier today. Thank you for your liberty and freedom in every heart today. In Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become sophisticated Bible scholars, oh, wait a minute, unless you change and become seminary graduates, uh, okay, what's your say? Okay, I'm reading the right one. Unless you change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Is that simple? Do we know what little children are? You know, we've all been little children, <laughs> right? I love Jesus. How simple is that? Unless you become like little children. Oh, I'm so glad for his heart. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus doesn't come along and lay this heavy, difficult thing on us. He says, become like kids and experience me. Isn't that really radically different from man's religion? Wow. That's like a whole different way of living. This is living now, isn't it? Right? Wow, that's so good. Now, look at this little phrase here, the kingdom of heaven. Do you know he's not talking about going to heaven at all? But a lot of people read that phrase, and you'll find this phrase only in Matthew, kingdom of heaven. In every other gospel, they say kingdom of God. But kingdom of heaven, you look at how it's used. What's he talking about? Experiencing the will of God in your life now. So unless you become like little children, what's a little child do? A little child trusts his father. Yes. Without question. Unless you trust your heavenly father like a little child, you will not enter or you will not come into, you will not experience his will for your life. Doesn't that make sense? Do you see that? Let's look at this word, this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Oh, so good. Matthew chapter 6. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is talking to us about prayer in verse 7. And I like it because it's so different than what I was told growing up. Man, I was told to pray four of these prayers, five of those prayers, six of those prayers. I had to do all kinds of... And look what Jesus said in verse 7. He says, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Heathen are those who don't know God. So people who know God shouldn't be instructing other people who know God to use vain repetitions, right? That's what people who don't know him, those what aliens to God do because they're unfamiliar with the nature of his heart, right? They think that if we pray longer, God will hear us, right? As if God has a hearing problem, right? But look what Jesus said. For, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Verse 8, therefore don't be like them, be like kids, Right? Be like kids. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Wouldn't that change the way a person prays if before they opened their mouth they knew God knew everything they needed? Yeah. 
and he already met it through Christ? Do you know we don't pray to be forgiven of our sins? We don't. Do you know that your sins were forgiven before you were born? The lamb was already slain. We come to God, we confess. If we confess, if we've done something wrong, we confess our sins, but that's not so that he'll forgive us. That's so that we, we receive the forgiveness that's already been provided for us. Our, we're not praying to God so that he'll do something on our behalf. Our prayer is a communion with him so that we'll receive what he's already done. Big difference. Big difference. Okay? Verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father... Come to God as your father who knows what you need before you ask him. Be like a kid. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Worship God, you are great. Your name is great. It's high and lifted up. It's above every name that could ever be named. Look at this. Your kingdom come. That word come can also be translated grow, increase. Your kingdom grow. Your kingdom increase. Your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Why is he instructing us to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because it's not automatically done on earth. Despite what many ministers teach. The scriptures don't teach that. Jesus didn't teach that. If God's will was automatically done, Jesus would not have instructed us to speak it forth and to pray for it, right? right. So we're on earth to enforce the will of God in our lives and in the lives of others, not to take authority over people, but to take authority over spirits of darkness and the things that are contrary to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus wants us to be conduits for his kingdom, that his kingdom would grow and expand and increase in our lives and through us. Look at Matthew chapter 9. And this is what he did when he was on earth. He expanded. The kingdom of God grew and increased through him. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, you'll see another scripture like this in Matthew 4.23. It's a comprehensive summary of the ministry of Jesus. Verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. He did three things in his ministry, top three priorities, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Those are, those are the top three priorities still today. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, teaching, preaching, and healing. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And boy, are there sheep like that here in this area of the nation. And I say, God, bring them in in Jesus' name. People who don't know the will of God, people who don't know how good he is, people who don't know what he's done for them through Christ, who have not heard the message of the gospel. Verse 37. Then he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now keep on moving right into the next verse of the next chapter. So then what's he do? He, he says, pray for laborers. Then what's he do? He calls his laborers to him, right? He's answering the prayer right now. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, his 12 laborers, he gave them power to do what he was doing, Right? He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal a few things. To heal all manner of sickness. Isn't that what 935 said? And to heal all manner of disease. Now go to verse 7. Look at this. And as you go, preach saying what? The kingdom of heaven is where? At hand. Well, what does that mean, the kingdom of heaven? Well, look at verse 8. Heal the sick. Wow. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is associated with healing, deliverance, and salvation. Where the kingdom is, there is healing. The kingdom is, there is salvation. Go, tell people. The kingdom of God is not a faraway place that you have to strive to earn an entrance to, that it's right here, right now, if you'll just believe. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Freely you have received freely give. So we see in the scriptures that the kingdom of heaven is the place where God's will is done. And that can be in Taunton, that can be in New Bedford, that can be in Fall River, can be in Providence, can be in Boston, wherever the will of God is done, and that is done through simple faith. Okay, so now understanding the kingdom of heaven, let's go back to Matthew 18, 3. The kingdom of heaven, teaching, preaching, healing, deliverance, salvation. Matthew 18, 3, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little kids, you will not experience and come into the will of God for your lives. The Weiss translation says it this way, unless you reverse your present trend of thought, and become as the little children. In no case shall you enter the kingdom of heaven. What's the present trend of thought? That everything that happens is God's will. That God causes tornadoes and hurricanes. That, that God uses sickness to teach people things. Unless you reverse your present trend of thought, you're not going to experience his will. And next week, we're going to see where this present trend of thought came from. We don't have time for it today, but stay with me. The Phillips translation says this, unless you change your whole outlook and become like little children, you will not experience the will of God for your lives. So our outlook is huge. What we believe is huge. It can either bring us into the will of God for our lives, or keep us from the will of God for our lives. Now, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. I love Jesus. He hasn't given us this big, heavy, burdensome thing to carry, this difficult thing to do. He's told us to become like kids. 
And in verse 7 of Matthew 7, he just, he just makes it as simple, as plain as could be. A child understands what Jesus is about to say here. And I want to say this again. I said this two weeks ago. If I just came out and said Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, there will be religious leaders who, who would, would, would have a hard time with what I just said. But Jesus said this, okay? I want you to know I'm not uh, making this up. This is in the scriptures. Matthew 7, chapter 7 through 11. Verse 7, Jesus says, ask, it will be given to you. Can't get any simpler than that. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and it will be open. So who's the initiative? Who should the initiative be? It's our initiative. God already exercised his initiative, right? He loved us first. So we're not seeking him for him to do something in our life. We're seeking him to receive what he's already done. In other words, we're seeking him because he's loved us first. We're seeking him to know him, to, to get in on who he is, to experience him, to experience what he's done for us, to, to, to learn about his love for us. Ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Wow. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be, I mean, there's no secret code here, is there? I love Jesus. He's simple. He he makes it accessible to children, which is why they love to be around him. Verse 9, what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. That is ridiculous. No one would do such a thing. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Of course we would not do that, right? If you then, being evil, know know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So Jesus reveals to us that the character of God, the heart of God, is reliable. It's predictable, Mm -hmm. right? That it's good, not bad. Mm -hmm. And we said two weeks ago, this is a simple key to help you understand the will of God for your life and to help you understand the scriptures based off of Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask yourself the question, would a good father do that? In other words, if you were a father or a parent, a mother, and your child was sick, and you had the power to heal that child, would you do that? Of course. Of course. Well, to say that God wouldn't, what do you say? You are, are better, yeah. more loving and kind than God. Wow. That's what people are saying when they say it's God's will for you to be sick, that God was trying to teach you something. You would never do that to a child. Hit him with polio to try and teach him humility. How gross, how perverted is that? God's not like that. He never has been. He never will be. But that's been preached in a lot of churches. And it grieves God's heart. He's the healer, not the sicker. Right? Hallelujah. So if we know, if we would never do that to a child, how much more would God treat us right? Right? It's that simple. And Satan has tried to make it so hard. All right, let's see if we can wrap this thing up here. 
So it's this simple goodness of God that absolutely changes everything. It transforms the way we think, the way we treat other people, the way we treat ourselves. It transformed our lives, and this goodness needs to be proclaimed, which is why Highway Church began. There's a great need in this area of the country for the message I'm sharing with you to be proclaimed. This is so important that the goodness of God was the opening proclamation of the ministry of Christ in the book of Mark. Now let's look at this in Mark chapter 1. The goodness of God. First words out of his mouth. as he began his ministry. Mark chapter 1. So important. Verse 13. And Jesus was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast. And the angels ministered unto him. Now after that, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the what? The gospel means what? The good news. We don't really, people don't even know what that word means, gospel. It means preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. Why did he have to preach the good news? Because there's a lot of bad news preached about God. It was keeping people in bondage. So he came preaching the good news. Verse 15, look at this, and saying, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God, says Mark now. Matthew says kingdom of heaven. Mark says kingdom of God, same thing is where? What's the kingdom of God? The place where the will of God is done in your life. Repent ye and believe the good news. Now put the Phillips translation up there. This is how the Phillips New Testament says it. The time has come at last. The kingdom of God has arrived. You must change your hearts and minds. And believe the good news as opposed to the bad news. Now, why does Philip say, change your hearts and minds, and the King James says, repent ye? Why is that? What does repent mean? There's a lot of religiosity around the word repent. And if you hear the word repent, a lot of people think that means you know, great remorse, doing a lot of things to try and atone for the wrong that I've done in my life, saying a lot of prayers, crying, falling on my face, none of which will make a difference in your life. But that word repent actually isn't in the scriptures. That's an English word. The Greek word there is metanoia. Repent comes from the Latin word. I'm going to go more into that next Sunday. Okay, comes from a Latin word, penance, which isn't in the Bible. The Greek word metanoia literally means to think differently. It means to change your mind and to change your purpose in the light of new information. That's what repent is, quote unquote. That you hear some information that I came to give you life and life abundantly. 
And because of this new word you've heard, you change your mind about God and you change your purpose based on what Jesus said. So what is the good news? Well, John 10.10 capsulizes it pretty well. Jesus, out of his own mouth, I didn't say this, he said, the thief comes, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. That's where those things come from. But I came that you personally might have life and might have it more abundantly. So I hear that new information and I change my mind about God. I realize now that that sickness is a thief. That's not God's work at all. That tornadoes, hurricanes, tragedies, accidents are thieves. That Satan has schemes to try and take you out. But Jesus came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. So I'm changing my mind. I'm repenting. I'm repenting. I'm believing the good news that Jesus preached. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Right? So what's the good news? He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Psalm 103. Right? Verses 3 through 5. Prophetic of what he would do through Christ. So I believe the good news that he's come, that through Christ I'm forgiven of all my sins, healed of all my diseases, that I'm redeemed from destruction, that he's crowned me with his love and compassion, that he satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That's new information, and I'm repenting. I believe the good news. So Jesus comes out of the, the 40 days of, of, of battling the enemy victorious, and he says, change the way you think. The kingdom of God is here. Change your thinking and believe the good news. Let's look at, look at this verse with a definition in it. The time has come at last. The kingdom has arrived. Think differently and believe the good news the open opening proclamation of our savior and his ministry began after that that's significant wow hallelujah 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 boy we've got so much more here but we're gonna have to wind it up hallelujah 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 well, let's see how much more we can fit in. How about that? We got a few more minutes. So we, 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 we're, we're regularly changing our thinking, aren't we? Yes. Right? Yes. We're putting new information yes. in our minds, in every area of our lives. We're changing the way we think about our relationships, about um, our future, about the, the job we work at, right? We're not, you know, I, I hear so many um, different people sharing online or Facebook or people I've known in the past, you know, talking about, and they're just frustrated because they, 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 they're not happy with their jobs. They're not happy where they work. They're not happy with where they live, but they're living their life foreign as aliens to God's purpose for their life. See, when you wake up in the morning, God wants you to be in the center of his plan and purpose. He wants you to get up with a joy and an expectation knowing you're right where he wants you to be. 
And boy, I've been living that way for about 26 years, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. When I get up in the morning, I know I'm in the center of his plan for my life. Regardless of what mistakes I've made or my shortcomings, God's grace has a way of getting you where you are meant to be. God wants you to wake up in the morning with full assurance of faith, knowing that you are following his plan and purpose for your life. We're repenting. Jeremiah 29, 11, that'll make you repent. That'll make you change based on this new information. He said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. I think it's a message of the New Living. It says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to harm you, to give you the future you've hoped for. That's new information, isn't it? That will make you change your mind and change your purpose. And that's the biblical way of repenting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these wrong concepts, these religious concepts of God have robbed people of the kingdom of heaven in their lives. And one of them is around this word repent. There's all kinds of heaviness and burden associated with this word repent. Now, we're going to get into this more next week. I'll just share a little bit with you right now. But, you know, I, I, I began just researching this word more than I have before, and it's just a lot of fun. I like researching words. But a bunch of sources, Vine's Expository Dictionary, Strong's Concordance, Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, BibleStudyTools.com, different ministry publications, Wayside Cross Ministries, a bunch of sources. I'm just going to share some of that with you right now about this word repent, okay? Because we want to clean out religious concepts from your thinking. We want you to, to change the way you think and, and receive the good news, all right? So there's a source of the modern-day confusion. I'll just read to you right from these sources. A source of the modern-day confusion lies in the history of the word repent. We get R-E-P-E-N-T from the Latin word, I'm not going to say this right, repentere, and the Latin translation of the Bible. The Bible was written in Greek. It wasn't written in Latin, Right? Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, and even the New Testament in Greek was written by Jewish people. So it has a Hebrew slant to it, right? It wasn't written by Greek people. All right, Jewish people speaking Greek. So we get repent from the Latin translation of the Bible. And, and the Latin translation of the Bible uses ponateratium, agire, which actually signifies pain, grief, distress, rather than a change of thought or purpose. It's the word where we get our word penitentiary from. What's a penitentiary? Someplace we all want to go, right? No. It's a prison. You will, you will find yourself in a prison if you believe religious doctrine instead of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you won't even know it. Wow. Oh, we got to stop. I got to stop. All right. 
we're going to continue next Sunday. And we're going to go on. And, and we're going to discover how good God is. And a little bit more about the history of this word. And why Jesus had to encourage people to believe the good news. Isn't that funny? Why did he have to even say that? Because they weren't believing it. They were believing wrong things about God. And that was the paramount thing in his heart, that they would change the way they think about God. And we're also going to discover Satan's number one strategy to take you out. And that's next Sunday. Don't miss it. All right? We're going to conclude this whole series next Sunday. Father, you are great. We thank you for your abundance in our lives, your amazing love. And Father, we realize that you gave everything you could give so that we could hear the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. We do not take for granted the opportunity we have to come here this morning to this new church that you've initiated to hear what we've heard. And we thank you. We are grateful. To you goes all the glory. And Father, I pray right now for everyone sitting here that repentance, a change of mind, and a change of purpose would take place. We just take a few moments right now, and Holy Spirit, we just ask you to search our hearts and shine your light into every corner, any closet in there, Lord, where there might be a wrong thought about you, where an area where we fail to realize how good you are. Let your light illuminate our hearts right now every corner, every closet, under the bed, <laughs> in the pantry. In Jesus' name, let your light flood our hearts this morning that this week would be a new week of walking with a new confidence in your goodness for our lives in full assurance of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.